Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City Jazz trumpeter and flugelhornist Alex Abramovich. And he is speaking on behalf of his swinging Kansas City Jazz Band. This is a band whose primary focus and mission is to preserve the heritage of Kansas City Jazz through performance, education, and entertainment. And they are doing that all the time. Alex grew up in Kansas City and is proud to be part of a huge and long KC Jazz tradition. They began the band in 2008 and have gone through some changes over the years, but today they are very busy and was voted as one of the best live jazz acts in Kansas City. So get to know Alex, the band, and dig this interview, my friends. Hey, thank you for taking a minute out today to talk to me about, uh, about your life and music. I appreciate it. I appreciate you inviting me on. Let me go ahead and start off here and ask kind of generically, what is going on with you as far as performing, recording, anything that's going on on your radar lately? Now, because we've got so many things going on, I mean, we're doing the, the, the Saturday j- Jazz Brunch at the Phoenix every week. We've picked up things at um, Jazz Louisiana Kitchen for First Fridays out in Independence. Um, and then we're also at the PS Speakeasy on almost a monthly basis, which is in the basement of the Hotel Phils. But we've got so many other things that we have kind of on, on the um, radar and everything, but I don't want to you know, give anything away without it being finalized yet. So, I mean, right now we've still got a regular things going on at the Phoenix and Jazz and the PS Speakeasy. But then beyond that, I mean, we're we're in talks with um, several other clubs here in the Kansas City area as well as um, outside of the Kansas City area as well. So we're hoping to put something together to possibly work more private events, um, as well as to travel as well. What about recordings? Do you have any recordings that are on the uh, on the move? Right now, we don't have any um, recordings that are in the, the near future. We're in the process right now of working towards trying to set up these club things right now first, and then we'll be um, hopefully hitting the studio again sometime within the next uh, two to three years um, at, at the latest. Let me talk about you more specifically. Were you were born and raised in Kansas City, correct? I, I was born and raised in Kansas City. Um, well, the Kansas City area. I was born in Kansas City. Uh, lived in Overland Park uh, for for most of my life, and then uh, lived in Shawnee a little bit after that. So pretty much Shawnee Mission area. So how did you get involved with jazz? When did the bugs take over? Well, when I was in. Um, seventh grade, we had uh, a big sign in a band room posted saying, audition for, for jazz band two weeks. So I went ahead and I'm like, well, you know, that sounds fun. You know, it seems uh, a little bit different than classical. You know, it might, might be a, a nice way to, to actually, you know, learn something new. So I auditioned and I ended up making it. And my parents decided they were going to give me this time life thing of giants of jazz and it was a three cd collection and of course the only names that i really recognized on it was louis armstrong and so i listened to 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 the louis recordings well then my mom said well if you like louis you might want to check out benny goodman because she had played clarinet and She's like, uh, you know, he he might be somebody you want to check out. So I checked out that, and then from there, then Duke Ellington, and then the band teacher, you know, trying to get me into the bebop 
arena was like, well, why don't you listen to Dizzy Gillespie? And so I listened to Dizzy, and I actually didn't mind that. And then when he said Miles Davis, well, the Miles Davis one on there was a little far out there for me at that time, given what I had already listened to. And that was back in 2001, so that's when it hit me. You went, You obviously gravitated towards the trumpet. Why, why was that your instrument? Well, my dad had played a cornet when he was in grade school through high school, and so we had one sitting around the house, and so I had my choice of the cornet, the trombone, or the clarinet, and so I figured, well, the the cornet was was easier. We had extra ones of those, you know, laying around because my cousin was playing the trumpet and she wasn't using his cornet, so I went ahead and did that, and I figured, you know, that that might be something that I just kind of wanted to do, and um, it was a 1962 King Tempo, um, solid nickel for the body, and I absolutely loved it, and didn't actually start playing trumpet until middle school. Eventually switched back to the cornet probably about three or four years ago. The beginnings of the band, um, as it is now, the uh, Swing and Kansas City Jazz Band. Talk to me about the beginnings. From what I understand, it was in 2008. Just kind of give me an idea of how the band started and kind of your evolution up until today. Well, in 2008, well, when I was in college um, in 2007 and 2008, I I was in a jazz program, but I knew um, after that that I probably wasn't going to be in a jazz program much longer. Um, Had to start working more on different degree things. outside uh, of that. So I um, heard a guy playing piano one day in the um, practice room, older gentleman. And so I kind of asked him, I said, hey, why don't we start a band? He didn't really want any part of that at first. And then um, after a couple of months, we um, started jamming, and then I started booking a a couple of small gigs here and there, and our first gig was actually, it it was nothing special, it was um, the the student recital for Johnson County Community College, and so we did that, and we played Mercy, Mercy, Mercy um, in the Cannonball Adderley arrangement of it, and then um, from there, we started adding pieces, added a guitar um, for a while, had some drums. And at that point in time, from about 2008 until 2010, the direction of the band was very, it, it was loosely organized. I was changing directions every which way because I, at school, they kept trying to pull me towards bebop. And of course, I wanted to gravitate more towards swing, but I wanted to play things that I thought other people might enjoy and not really understanding the you know, business and target market audience and all that. I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And in 2010, um, we had an incident in which um, the majority of the band ended up falling apart. So from that point in time, from 2010 to 2013, Whenever I would perform, it was primarily private performances, and it was just picking up whatever pieces I could, whether it be a duo or a trio or even a quartet, and it was whatever I could put together. And then in 2013, I 
started, well, 2012, I started collecting different ideas, hanging out with other people who were in swing um, genre, picking up different pieces of sheet music, all that. And that was where the direction really took off of going towards that Kansas City style along with the mixture of New Orleans and Harlem. And so in December, uh, or no, November 2013, that's where that really started to take off. So it sounds to me as though you always have kind of had that old soul vibe and feel for jazz instead of kind of the newer cool jazz bebop kind of thing. You tend to gravitate towards that old school leaning. Besides swing, I, I do enjoy Clifford Brown. I enjoy listening to Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. And, I mean, Chet Baker, he swings pretty hard for a cool jazz musician. And Miles... You know, there's a, there's quite a bit of, like, early miles when he's with Bird. I, I enjoy that. And then, of course, the kind of Blue Album is, there, there's very few that are better than that. But to, to the majority of the people who are, especially millennials, it's too, especially that stuff, it's too out there. They um, When the music industry right now is about quick hits, you know, and, and making it to where, you know, they don't have to think as much. Putting something out there like a Love Supreme, you know, it, they can't relate to it. But for some reason, there's some sort of novelty where they can all of a sudden go, well, this is the style of music my, my grandparents listened to, you know, the World War II era. And, and there's they see it in the movies more than they do um, cool jazz and bebop. So there's just something that's a little bit more accessible about it. So people tend to enjoy that a little bit more from what I've noticed. So how are the crowds responding to you with your blend of jazz in Kansas City? And this is more of a Kansas City-centric kind of question. How are, how are the crowds? The crowds tend to be pretty good. Um, when we're at Jazz Louisiana Kitchen, we do more of a New Orleans style, and that one tends to fit that place a little bit more. The crowd seems to get into it. It, for me, it's not even about big crowds. It's about crowds that stay the whole night. I, I would much rather have a performance where 75% of the venue is full, but the people don't leave. That's telling me I'm doing something right rather than having the venue 100% full the whole time, but people are constantly circling out. Because at that point in time, even though that's a lot of exposure, if people are coming and going quickly then that's telling me that I'm not doing the right thing. So the one thing that I am happy to, to say is, especially in um, within the past year, we've had more of these people actually come and they stay for three to four hours. So we, we've been having that and we've been consistently at least 75% to 100% full in our venues um, for the majority of the night. Talk to me about the heritage of Kansas City. You're obviously entrenched in the Kansas City tradition. You're in Kansas City. You've been an award-winning band, Pitch Weekly. Uh, how does it feel to be a part of this tradition? What What do you like the most about being a part of the Kansas City jazz tradition? You know, it's a surreal thing. When you take a step back and you assess the situation and the heritage and you can look at a building and you can go... Charlie Parker played there. You can go to another place and you can go, Jay McShann played there and he played there and he played there and you can 
look and you can see the history, the heritage, and you can see the big names and to know that it's not just about one person and that it's not just about me, that I am trying my my best to just keep up with some of the greats who, you know, are no longer with us, but they started this, you know, 75 years ago, 80 years ago, and to be able to, to play in a place to know that, you know, there's some history there, that's, it's a surreal feeling, and sometimes it's just, it, it creates more of an inspiration for that particular evening. So this band has gone through its own incarnation of change. You've had your beginnings and your change, and we're where we are right now in 2017. How do you feel about your career and the band up to this point? How, how do you feel about everything? I, I feel like it's been a, a good beginning. I feel like we, we've got a, a lot more left in us. Uh, I feel like we've got a um, we've had some some pretty low instances, but we've had some pretty high points too. But I, I think right now it's just it's been a great beginning, and I think that we've just got a lot more ahead of us and a lot bigger things ahead of us too. So I look forward to what is to come, but I'm very satisfied with what we've done so far. Why do you love jazz? It's not even just jazz. It, it, I mean, when I grew up, my my parents listened to the oldies station, oldies 95, and my favorite show was on Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday nights, and then, of course, Saturday and Sunday mornings, you'd have Dick Clark's Golden Oldies show and Rock and Roll Remember. And that music that he played was primarily American music from 1952 to about 1965. And a lot of it was, you know, rhythm and blues, rock and roll, and soul. And so I gravitated more towards the the likes of Chuck Berry, Fats Domino, and so on and so forth. And I think between that and then the influences that my grandma kind of gave me with more of the um, Glenn Miller and Benny Goodman and Tommy Dorsey. And I, I think with that, I just I gravitated more towards that. So I, I don't really know how to explain why I love it more than I just kind of grew up with more of the vintage black music uh, of America, and I just really enjoyed listening to it. So I meant to, before we left that realm of Kansas City jazz and being a part of it, I wanted to get a little bit into that fantasy realm. I want to put a jazz DeLorean in front of your house. You could go back to a year, go back to a place. Hopefully it's Kansas City. Who do you want to see live? Who would you love to have caught live? I, I, I think... Andy Kirk and his 12 Clouds of Joy would have been the band I really would have loved to uh, have caught live in Kansas City, especially when he had Mary Lou Williams as their pianist and arranger. I think there is no band that I have listened to, I, I, and I know this would start arguments with quite a few people, but there's no band in my listening that epitomizes that Kansas City riff style, that Kansas City bluesy style like Andy Kirkin's 12 Clouds of Joy. I mean, between Mary's stride piano style, the band's hard, heavy riffs, 
and back and forth call and response, I just find that that band itself, to me, is a band that I would have loved to have seen. It just it is Kansas City. One more question about the Kansas City jazz scene. How healthy is jazz in Kansas City in 2017? You know, I, I would say that we could be healthier, but I think right now, given all that's gone down in the past five years, um, or the past ten years, with between Jardine's closing, Broadway Jazz Club, and what happened there, and then, of course, the whole fiasco that we've had with 18th and Vine, um, especially this past year with that jazz festival. I still think that it is, I think it's on an upswing um, in Kansas City, especially when you, you talk about the the success uh, of places like the Green Lady Lounge and now how they've expanded to having three different um, clubs within that organization, the Green Lady Lounge, Joe Ryan Room, and the Black Dolphin. And then, of course, up in the Northland, you've got Repeal 18th, and you've got several other clubs in that area, too. And then um, the New Jazz Louisiana Kitchen that just opened up. I think there's more opportunities to listen to jazz now if people just take advantage of it. But I don't think we're hurting as much as some may say, but I always think there's room for improvement, and I do think we're on an upswing. So let me ask you this. Let's say we talk in 10 to 15 years from now, and I ask how the band's doing. What are you going to want to tell me? I mean, the, the band's doing doing all right right now. Um, I think I think that the, the band has come a long way. I think we're much tighter than, than we've ever been. I am experimenting more with um, different selections and different styles that still meet within that swing and jump blues in Kansas City style, as well as experimenting and perfecting more on New Orleans. I, I, I think that the the smartest thing that I've done is I, I will credit my success to, or success so far, to the, the musicians that I've been able to surround myself with, and I don't think that anything would have been possible without their hard work, their dedication, and their um, sheer talent. I mean, I, I'm just a guy with 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 a with trumpet, you know. They're, they're the ones who help make me look good, and um, I, I am very honored and blessed to be able to play with um, such wonderful talent and such um, music-driven individuals. So, I mean, the, the band is in my opinion, the best that it's ever been right now. So this is my final question. I want to ask you this. Everyone has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, those that see you live. But who do you think you are? When you face the world every day, who are you? I'm just a you know, man lucky enough to be able to, to play in this scene. You know, it was such a historic scene full of rich history and heritage. I mean, I, I'm just glad to be part of it and I mean I, I'm just I'm just a regular guy just trying to, to, to do his thing to entertain people. Right on. I think that's a great way to wrap everything up. Alex, thank you for opening up. Thank you for talking about your life and music and the band. I really appreciate it. Continued success. 
Well, thank you, and thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Alex for his time and his music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.